in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Greetings, lookers. Welcome to another edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. Today, we'll be discussing Malcolm and Marie 2021, which is a drama feature film that's currently streaming on Netflix. The white woman from the LA Times, she, she really loved it. She kept saying that I'm the next Spike Lee, the next Barry Jenkins, the next John Singleton. And I just looked at her and was like, what about William Wyler? She, you could tell for like three whole seconds. She was like, was William Wyler black? Shaw. <laughs> and then she realized, oh, shit, that's racist too. I'm here with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely already talking behind my back. So let's join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Hello. Howdy. Good, good to see you guys again after a short break there. Uh, yeah. Glad to be done with the move. And so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Good to be back doing this. So uh, with us today, she's simultaneously credible and incredible. The anomaly, Cat. Ramirez. Hey, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I'll always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. Very grateful to have you. And the provocative one and current Who Dundee Award winner and reigning champion, Mr. Devin Schwartz. And a continuing champion, I think, after today, but we'll see. Uh, the game is on. Yeah, we'll find out. The game is definitely on. Uh, it's not just a clever catchphrase. And my good friend, the incendiary, James Pepe. Marie. 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 Marie, stop playing. Marie. So I'm not the only one that noticed that, huh? Marie. Marie. I was I was wondering if uh, if uh, at first uh, her name was Stella, just so the writer could have a little bit of fun with that. And they oh, kind of changed geez. it last minute. And last but certainly not least, the irrepressible gentleman, Jim Scott. Greetings, gentle listeners and friends. Decided to be back. Yeah, me too. Just faxing. My dad, a rundown. Our boss, Charles Miner, has demanded a rundown. And uh, Jim from the office just handed the dossier to Kat Ramirez. What have you got for us on Malcolm and Marie? So as Ben already said, Malcolm and Marie is a drama and romance. It was released this year on the popular streaming app called Netflix. Um, it's about a director and his girlfriend whose relationship gets tested after they return home from his movie premiere and face each other's turmoil during one long night. 
one long night indeed for sure um this movie only stars zendaya and john david washington it was directed and written by sam levinson who also wrote and directed the hbo series euphoria which also starred zendaya um you also may also you may also recognize john david washington from his star role in spike lee's movie black klansman um, as far as the reviews go, people felt pretty mixed about this movie. Um, it got 6.7 on IMDb and 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but it did get 81% of Google users who liked this movie, which I thought was interesting, but, uh, we'll get into that later on. Um, the really unique part of this film is that it was one of the first films to be written, directed, and completed during the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. Um, so, COVID art. What was that? COVID art. COVID art, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's, that's one of the really, I think, uh, interesting aspect of this movie that really sets up kind of the way it was shot and everything to it. Absolutely. Um, so, that's... Uh, sorry, I was just wanted to add real quick that uh, I I noticed that she Zendaya was trying to film something else, I guess, and then it had to be shut down because of COVID, and so everyone kind of scrambled to come up with this, and um, they yeah they wrote it specifically so they didn't have to have a bunch of people around because of COVID, and that totally makes sense. It's interesting how restrictions sometimes uh, generate art, and how they influence the art that they generate. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about, too. Sometimes that um, I've heard the saying of just like when you give artists even more limited, either a limited budget or a limited space to do their art, they actually can cultivate more creativity because of those restrictions. So I thought that was interesting. But um, one interesting asp- uh, part that I got from IMDb was the fact that um, the word, the name Malcolm had multiple significances to the actor John David Washington's um his father Denzel Washington which I'm sure you guys know who that is um famously played Malcolm X in the movie Malcolm X uh which was released in 1992 and he actually the son John David appeared in it for a little bit um and then he also has a brother whose name is Malcolm so that name itself is a lot for okay. this actor I was gonna so say like he really sounds like Denzel Washington and I don't know why I didn't <laughs> put that together they have the same last name yeah, I, I didn't put that together until I read that. So that's the rundown. Yeah, I actually, speaking of that, uh, I watched all of Tenant and didn't realize that he was Denzel Washington's son. He's also in that. He stars in Tenant. I feel like I've seen that one, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, I, I saw they so they play a father and son. It's the one world. That? Of, no, no, no. It's just just uh, uh, Washington stars in it, and I didn't realize he was Denzel Washington's son. I'll look it up later. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, but I can't remember it. It's one of those. It's the one with the fight scenes that are in reverse. It's pretty memorable. Oh, okay. okay. All the fight scenes are going in reverse. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie, but we're not talking about that one. Nope. It might come up again. Uh in in the course of the conversation, but yeah. But today it's Malcolm and Marie. But before we get too deep into a discussion. We have reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. 
winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win a Who Dundee Award. Um, so it really comes down to Cat versus Devin today. So we'll see who who can figure out Jim. Uh, Cat versus Jim. No, I no, I mean Cat versus Devin for the competition. Oh, I don't think any of the rest sorry. of us yeah, have a chance. Confusing. But I still want to. I still want to yeah, guess yeah. right. I'm gonna go with Devin because I he's just my red herring for for all movies. Um, but since I can't go with him, I'm gonna go with Cat on this one. I think this is one that she would want to discuss, so I'm gonna go with Cat. But uh, that said, Cat, tell me I'm wrong. Um, so I think it's Jim who submitted this movie. Um, hopefully, I'm gonna yeah win the competition. But uh, I think that uh, Jim likes you know. I mean, he's into psychology, and I think there's a lot of psychological factors to this movie. And um, so I, I could see Jim submitting this film. In fact, I was looking forward to a lot of what Jim has to say on this one. So that could be. Devin, whodunit? Uh, I think this is definitely a cat film. Um, I don't. Like, the only reason I can really say why is that it definitely doesn't feel like a Jim film. Um, so if, Jim, if this is yours, you are a master of subversion. So, uh, yeah. I'd like to think he is anyway. But uh, James Pepe, <laughs> your guess. Who done it? Yeah, I think um, I'm going to guess Cat as well. Um, uh, but again, if this is Jim's movie, I think that uh, I'm going to have to reevaluate what I think of the types of movies Jim's watching. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to say Cat. Okay, Jim, was it you or was it Cat? Well, we haven't set the precedent of voting for ourselves, so I don't want right. to, you know, be the first one. No. So I will state that I think it's Cat, um, as is her tagline, keeping it real. This movie definitely kept it real. So in that vein, in that spirit, Cat, I, I name you Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> You're our secretary of keeping it real. Uh, okay. Uh, so it was last, me. Okay, go. Oh, okay, it was. I was going to give Devin a last chance to change his mind. Like, uh, <laughs> Swept the rug out from like, uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, that's yeah, that's not really a thing. That's not a thing. Okay, so it was cat. All right. But I'm I'm seriously interested in what Jim has to say on this one too, because of the psychology and stuff. There's a lot going on. So cat, what did you uh, oh, you actually have uh That's my new favorite sound drop, so yeah, cat, why did you choose this one? Uh Malcolm um, and Marie. I I, I assumed that you guys had not seen this movie, so that was the big that was a big uh, reason why I chose this one, and also Horse Girl for last season. Um, I try to pick movies that maybe aren't necessarily very popular, um, but I also really wanted to get into the discussion of whether or not this movie did a good job in under the circumstances and conditions that it was shot and written in, and it's not so much you know whether or not. You know, I'm sure everyone's going to have their different, you know, uh, takes on whether or not they like this movie. But I really want to know whether or not it succeeded in what it tried to do. Um, so I wanted to have that discussion with you guys. I also thought that you guys may enjoy the writing and the dialogue in this movie as well. Um, I definitely, you know, 
it definitely had some humorous parts for me and uh, I, I enjoyed just the bickering, the constant bickering between them myself. So uh, I hope that you guys did as well. Um, and I also think that it's a very different genre than the genres we have typically picked. It's very much, you know, it is a romance kind of movie. So um, even though it's not necessarily the lovey-dovey kind of romantic kind of movie um, that other romance movies have done, but it's still very much a different kind of film that I think we've, we've ever all chosen. So now they're getting real with this one. Right. And so how did you come <laughs> across this in the first place? I'm curious, did Netflix like suggest it to you or did you go seeking something? Um, I had it, it was recommend. I, I read it somewhere online and it was like recommended to go watch it. And, um, and I also remember like Netflix suggesting it for me too. So it kind of was like, Oh, might as well. Um, and I thought obviously that it was interesting. It was all shot in black and white too. So, um, yeah, 35 millimeter, nice film grain. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it, it definitely piqued my interest. So definitely. And what I liked about this one, just to kick it off was it reminded me of a lot of these indie films that I missed that came out in like the early to mid nineties. Um, Pepe can back me up on this one. Hopefully, uh, I, uh, I would rent stacks of movies and this would be, this would have been like one of those ones in the stack that were just like, okay, what's this indie film that's come out. And then all those guys ended up becoming like huge directors, you know, but they all started doing these like little films shot in black and white on 16 yeah, millimeter. I mean, you, you're, you're local, right? Well, all you get, yeah. well, I guess Jim's not local, but you're, I mean, do you remember like Bradley video? Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would go there with my buddy and we would just get the five for five stack and we would spend the two about. days watching the movies. Yeah. I and just... I, I have a I have a friend um, who told me that he and his friends, he and a large group of his friends would go to the video store and they would all pick out a movie. And the way that they would figure out which movie they would rent is they would get a copy of they would put all of the movies that they've picked in a circle. And then they would take the copy of Highlander 2 off the shelf, which is, I guess, a guy holding <laughs> a sword. And then they would put Highlander 2 in the middle of the <laughs> circle great. and spin it. And whichever one the sword pointed to was the one they, <laughs> the one they would pick. Dude, it's like that was awesome. our what show. a fucking nerd. Nice. Those guys are nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They sound great. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> so fun. I can't just imagine those guys doing that in the, a public place in a video store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes it even better. And and, yeah. talk, and talking about independent films, um, uh -huh. and I, I kind of want to put this out there and see what you guys think about it. Uh, but before I do that, thank you so much, Kat, for recommending this movie. Um, really appreciate it and it got me thinking and um so much complexity it's definitely a movie i want to see again uh perhaps multiple times and i feel like i would take away something different every time because there's so much exchange and power exchange but uh the ideal that i wanted to pose is i very disillusioned with most mainstream movies right the blockbusters the things that come out and a lot of it i believe has to do with their marketing to a worldwide audience 
So they take a lot of the specific cultural nuance that's just not in the movie. So it can appeal to the mass you know, world. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like there's a lot that is lost. Movies just don't have a lot of substance. And I'm just talking about mainstream generally, right? There's always the, the few and they're usually toted as the Oscar nods independent movie where there's just so much creativity and different stories being told you know i think that's where you find the majority of art what, what do you guys think though about that um first of all i want to interject that I, you can't really trust the critical reviews on something like this when a movie like goes after critics directly in such a kind of like hateful diatribe kind of you know thing this whole movie was kind of about that it was almost like the writer was like went up to m night Shyamalan or however you say his name is like hold my beer bro <laughs> but yeah uh, yeah when you try to appeal to everyone uh you kind of end up losing a lot and maybe appealing to nobody in a, in, a, in an outstanding way and you end up with kind of american cheese right so i feel you on that jim um although it can be done correctly it's it's hard to do that and to actually um really succeed in appealing to a wide audience like that and making a great film yeah i think that there's a lot of generalization that goes on where it's like you know like all independent films are high art and all of these mass-produced films by big studios are trash and it's like no, there's a lot of really bad independent movies out there. And there are some like big budget, Definitely. like, you know, like Marvel movies that are like really well made and really well done. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do think that you're probably better off if you're really looking for something to like to hit your emotions, to like have some substance. You're probably better off with an independent film. I think that they're more able to take those risks because they're not gambling billions of dollars. Sure. Sure, and one of my faves is uh, a Miyazaki anime called... Uh, uh, it's actually not Miyazaki, the director. Uh, I think he wrote it, but uh, Studio Ghibli, A Whisper of the Heart, which is about writing. Surprise, surprise. Um, but it is a very specific movie, and I know that it's probably not going to appeal to most people, but it just hit all the specific things for me. So I think films like that are very important, and um, they have their place, even though they don't have the wide appeal and maybe aren't the ones that are going to make a billion dollars. Speaking of movies about writing, I wanted to say this earlier when Kat mentioned it being a COVID film, but I don't want to butt in before we got into the discussion. Uh, but I was going to say that like this film feels very much like a COVID film because it, it feels very much like a, like a writer director in a room looking around and he's like, Hmm, I'm a writer director and I'm stuck in a room. I'm going to write a movie about a writer director. It's going to take place in one room. <laughs> Like it's it's very much like he's like just like yeah I'm just gonna write a movie about exactly what is happening. I mean the movie doesn't take place during COVID, but it could like you know they are essentially in a single building alone um, together. So yeah, and I believe the director pulled stuff that directly happened to him and based it very closely off of a night he had after forgetting to thank his wife. Mm. So he's like, what do I Makes have sense. in my pocket? You know that I can. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that terrible night that was supposed to be one of the best nights of my life. I think, the, I think though, that there's even a difference 
today in like our blockbuster movies than there were, than there was in say like the seventies and eighties and even in the nineties. Um, Cause even in those times you had mass appeal movies that were like excellent, right? Like um, I mean like Indiana Jones, like that's not a niche film, right? Or like Jurassic Park or Jaws or no, movies I mean, like that that have become classics right they've created they created the blockbuster right right I mean, yeah these are the movies that started that era that we are still yeah, in but uh, but uh, but i mean the the or the point that i'm trying to make is that today i think that almost all of our blockbusters or our like big budget movies all come from pre-existing ips whereas back then they didn't yeah. uh, or at least in yeah, those yeah. examples they didn't um and so you have and so the re well, the reason for that, or one of the reasons for that is you have a built-in audience, right? Everybody who's like everybody knows that the Harry Potter books sold a billion books. So everybody's gonna right. go see the Harry Potter movies, right? No one ever fucking heard of Indiana Jones. I mean, he came from like old serials that people may have seen, but no one's going to no one's like, oh, we gotta go see that that Indiana Jones, you know. In the same way that people are like, oh, we gotta go see Harry Potter or, or uh, the next uh, Captain America movie or whatever. And I yep. think that's a significant difference. Yeah. It's, but, but even then, like you have these, you have these little, you have these like breakouts, right? Like I think the third Thor movie is like a really good example of that. Or the guardians of the galaxy where you take that, where you take an IP and you personalize it and make it new and interesting. Um, and so even within that sort of space where they're like taking these pre-existing IPs and making them into movies, there's ways to make them sort of like rise above what the others and those, might be doing. And like Thor 3 is a great example. That one I, I feel like got really great critical review and a lot of people liked it, especially because it was different, right? I do think that we are getting, so I think some of the better blockbuster films that are coming out now are those ones that try to start a new IP, who try to like plumb into like new waters. The, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, Kingsman, which I think, I do think it's a novel series, but it's not Harry Potter, obviously. Um, I had never heard of Kingsman before until the movie came out. And like that was like a really innovative action film. The sequel was like a little less interesting, but it's still like the original was really good and totally like most people had never heard of it. And uh, those I think those stand out more uh, than like a new fast movie or something like that. You know? They do, but they're also harder to get greenlit because like as a, let me make us bigger in the window here as a an executive are you going to be the one that takes that risk with your own job right to uh green light yeah. something that's not like an already that already has a built-in audience and such so it's harder to get those going but they can pay off really well uh, yeah some of think... them don't like jupiter rising and such oh that was based <laughs> off yeah. of a, a comic book or something though wasn't it i think but so i think yeah. it's a lesser known ip at least um uh I think that a lot of stories, too, are probably, you know, I don't know the, the machinations of Hollywood, but I, I assume a lot of stories are getting written that are then being attached to an IP. Like we, we had theorized with I 10 Cloverfield that Lane too. that, yeah. yeah, that story could have been pre-written as a separate thing. And then they're like, hey, we could attach this pretty easily. Um, so, yeah, I think that does happen. And those films are probably the, I would say, the less good ones. I think that, uh, like Pepe said, I think when a director takes an existing IP and says, I'm going to do my own thing with it, like Taika Waititi is doing 
all the time, always with every movie he makes. Uh, you know, that's those are the ones that stand out more when you start in the IP and twist it rather than starting with an original idea and then trying to shove it into the box of an IP. Isn't he doing a new Thor movie or something? Speaking of Taika Waititi. I think he's doing the next one. Yeah, he's doing doing something. Or is he doing Guard? No, Gunn is back on doing Guardians, right? He's doing the third. Yeah, thankfully. The third Guardians movie, yeah. They they fixed that, yeah. yeah. I forget what the controversy was, but they wanted to cancel him over something. Oh, he had some some tweet that he made 10 years ago or something that wasn't okay. Okay. I think. Well, let's hope he learned his lesson. Man, you just wow! How do you vet someone these days when you even want to? Like... <laughs> My God! Anyway, but that's all. All you have to do is make so... sure. Just make sure you didn't use the internet 15 years ago. Just like, just like go back in time. Make sure you didn't. You go. Just didn't go on the internet. That, that, that. so Pepe's ever. got the right idea and Jim's got the right idea. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the in one. In 20 years, when they're <laughs> directing the movies, one. they won't need to yep, worry about it. Exactly exactly yeah so let me you also have unless someone one okay go ahead ahead. oh i was just gonna say real quick you also have to have the foresight to know what is going to be used against you in the future too you know because as times change yeah 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 just like be Um, nice you know just like i think there's a i think there's some yes don't be an asshole right um i think there is something to be said about like the Europe's the right to be forgotten law or whatever, because people do change a lot in 10 years and such, but I don't want to uh, digress too much into that, but it's, it is a fascinating part of our, our culture. Currently we're struggling with, you know, every little thing you do is just there forever currently. So I bet that will be, that will evolve into something uh, that's a little less horrifying, especially like kids that are growing up now. I'm so glad I grew up before the social media era. But uh, let's talk mac and cheese, because, mmm, boy. <laughs> uh, far and away the worst film of the season. Uh, I got a clip from it. Yeah, 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 you can hear it. For your I hate it. Well-being. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, let me run it again. Uh, take your headphones off. <laughs> I'm not <here>. <laughs> <laughs> The sound of people chewing has literally made me vomit before. I'm okay, I'm gonna run the okay. third down. For your mental well-being. Marie, Marie, I'll wave you back in. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Hmm. Hmm. I'm actually concerned for your mental well-being. Okay, Devin, it's safe now. I'm waving him back in. He did not want to hear it. Yeah, I fast forwarded through that scene. I didn't. I didn't watch that scene. I fast forwarded through it. I couldn't. It was like well, wow, now horrifying. I know what your hell looks like. Yeah, <laughs> just just mouths so chewing all around me. Yeah, no, it's, it's huh? tough on me too. Yeah. I, I don't like gross out things, and I don't necessarily like eating stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it was. It, you know, this guy kind of reminded me of Enemy in in a certain sense uh he was like just very self-centered selfish and whatnot uh did uh did anyone else uh kind of put that together uh in fact i thought maybe she would be a spider at the end of this i was actually (laughs) i was thinking about how um a lot of the reviews like when i was reading through the like people's reaction to this movie is kind of like 
you know, at one point you kind of feel like sympathy towards Marie, but then you feel sympathy toward Malcolm because you kind of get both of their sides. But throughout the movie, I never really felt that sympathetic for Malcolm. I constantly right. felt way more sympathetic for Marie. And I'm, I don't know if it's just because I'm like, you know, woman to woman kind of deal, but I felt like he like would gaslight no. her a lot more too. And, and like, there was just moments where I'm like, I don't really get his side. And I don't know if it, that was done, if, it, I, if I was supposed to get his side, like did the director I, try to have that or not? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I felt like I was being invited to empathize with his side of things, but I just didn't feel it like I did with her. And also, may I say, is it Zendaya? I'm not hip to the young pop artist. I know her as MJ from the new Spider-Man stuff, but is it Zendaya? But I know it's Zendaya. Zendaya. Okay. She's fantastic, yeah. by the way. She is. It's great. Very talented. And there was actually, interesting enough, a lot of controversy uh, between their ages. They were, I think they're 10 years apart. Um, and a lot of, she kind of, what she, uh, how she responded to it is that a lot of people aren't ready to see her as an adult. A lot of people still have her in a very young um, box of, you know, she did, she was first, her first breakthrough role was in, uh, I forgot the show, but it was on Disney Channel. So she was a Disney star. Um, so, and okay. I think a lot of Disney stars actually have that issue too, is yeah, kind of being like able to take seriously. Channel. Yeah, being taken serious as, as adult actors. Um, there, there is a 10 year difference and I don't think it's necessary. I don't find it too much of an issue when, as long as, you know, people... Both people are adults, I, I guess. But, you know. It's not like that doesn't happen, in, especially in Hollywood. In real life. Um, yeah. yeah. It may be part of why there's so much friction there, even, because they're just not at the same place you know, in their lives. She's, she definitely does seem younger than him to me, and um, not in a bad way, just, you know, she's, you know, 20 or 21 or whatever she said she was. She's like early 20s. And definitely, mm -hmm. you know, she has a lot. She has that whole 10 years to, of living to do. Um, not that he's like knows more than she is, but they're in different places. So it's almost like, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, it would be tough to be kind of like tied down that young, maybe. They seem to be ha have been in a serious relationship for a long time, like right out of the gates almost for her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as far as uh, empathizing or um, even sympathizing, uh, there were certain moments in the movie where I would empathize with one or the other, and also the reverse. Like, I, I mean, the whole movie was pretty real as far as it was no holds barred, you know? Uh, some of the things they were saying... That would be like, how could you say that? You know, there were certain uh, moments in the in the in the movie where I was just um, revolted by what was being said to hurt the other. Um, yeah, and I did. I, I knew there was an age difference because she had said, you know, I was twenty. You know, I was twenty year old cleaning up. And then I think there was something later in the movie where they had been together or, you know, associating together for five years. So you got a sense of age. But 
I felt like they were both equals in the power exchange. Like it was just, you, you, you know what I mean? At certain points moving back and forth as far yeah, as well that said. goes. Yeah, that's like, that's a better way of what I was trying to say that I, even with the age of difference, the dynamics seemed balanced. They both mm -hmm. seemed equipped to handle one another. Alternative title, man, I really wish I'd just come home and gone straight to bed without opening my big, <laughs> stupid mouth. <laughs> well, that was that point early on. You, you know, let's not talk about this. And right. that wasn't listened to. It did feel so. real because I've, I mean, having been married for a while now uh, and been together with my wife for a long time before mm -hmm. that even. Um, yeah. Not there haven't been arguments quite like this, you know, exactly like this, but yeah, it definitely seemed real. You know, you get drawn into these things, and uh, um, I was you can't get into each other's orbit, right? <laughs> you just can't escape. I was curious, um, not that we have to get into everyone's relationships or love lives, but I was curious on how much this resonated for people who have ha who have been in long term relationships versus who haven't and maybe that that's also harder to maybe resonate with this movie in that sense because if you haven't maybe loved someone so much that you kind of hate them then you may not understand where like that tension comes from i don't know if you guys it's almost a question like to get, all of you you get so close that you if you're not careful you lose perspective and boundaries and reason you know, and then at some point, maybe you're just lashing out like they did at, at certain points. And then mm -hmm. they, they pull it back, right? Um, and then they have their quiet moments, and then their moments of where you see it did feel like a real relationship in that sense. You know, the, the detail was there. So, wherever, whatever the writer was pulling from. And I think all the act, there was a collaboration between the three, even though the other two, the two actors didn't get a writing credit. Um, what I understand is that it was a, a pretty good collaboration. So what, whatever they were bringing to the table there uh, seemed, to use their phrase, authentic. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. As someone who uh, hasn't experienced that really, anything that, that heightened, I don't think, um, I still like I was still able to resonate with the characters because the dialogue felt genuine and felt authentic. Um, I was thinking when watching the movie, I was like, how are we going to talk about this movie when it is like pointing the mirror so heavily at people exactly like us? Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, like, I don't know if we've ever used the word authentic. I feel like I haven't, we haven't used that on the podcast, luckily. So we're not that bad, but um, yeah, uh, no, but it felt, it felt very real and very raw and like uh, uh, almost to the point where like kind of it pulled me out of the movie more because I'm just not the type of, like I'm not enough of a voyeur to like enjoy watching something so intimate as this. It felt so real that I felt almost uncomfortable because it's like, I don't like watching people fight. If like, you know, it's, I'm the type of person, if there's like a public argument going on, I'm like running away. <laughs> like, I don't want to be anywhere near that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was strange for me. It Devin, wasn't like super you... easy for me either. Oh. And go, go ahead, Kat. I was going to say because of horse girl and how uncomfortable you were, I instantly, when she came in and went to the, to the bathroom and they started talking and arguing i was like oh devin's gonna hate this or at least it would make gonna... you uncomfortable 
so funny because I was just going to ask Devin, they, she, Zendaya actually said something about nudity and it was along what oh, you yeah, agreed I with. Note, I did note that there was like no actual nudity in the entire film. Like no, no, like true nudity. She was, she's new in the bath obviously, but it never shows anything. Um, and I appreciated that. It seemed, uh, yeah, it, it still worked fine. She was still had the vulnerability of being nude. The symbolic purpose of being nude was still there without her actually having to be exploited or show anything. Yeah. Did you appreciate her? Because she specifically talked about nudity in media and was like, "Oh yeah, 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 being exploitative, yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. And um, I was like, "Devin." <laughs> yeah, no, no, that was good. I, I definitely resonated more like with. That. Yeah, I resonated more with Zendaya's character definitely than the the guy. But uh, yeah, she she definitely was preaching uh, what I preach. I also um, feel Kat, uncomfortable Kat, with conversation with watching arguments. I just wanted to interject that, like if, and I don't know. I don't know. My wife likes to watch reality TV shows like that where people are arguing. I was like, why would you want to tune in somebody's argument? I don't get that. But with the movie, with the filmmaking aspect of it, that kept me kind of locked in because I was like, man, a lot of this is like the struggles that I go through. But sorry, Jim, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was going to ask, uh, Kat, could you ask that question again? I just want to make sure I understood it. Um, yeah, that does this movie resonate more with people? I'm curious if this movie resonates more with people who have been in long term, like committed relationships, where almost to the point that you love that person so much, you kind of hate them. Um, that and more so than people who may have not had those kind of long term, serious relationships. Um, like, I just kind of want to see if basically like are you able to relate to it even if you've not if you haven't been in a long-term relationship i i get what i get what you're saying um yeah. just speaking of uh someone who has been in long-term relationships my takeaway from it you know before we get in like specifics of what they were arguing about or some of the things that were being drawn up is the raw emotionality between the two and that's very that type of raw emotionality you would find in the rarest of platonic friendships you know that just that level of intimacy i feel and um and, and exploring raw emotionality you have to be vulnerable and in being vulnerable uh the the aspects of who you are like your persona um get exposed and a lot of those aspects of your persona are less than endearing um like we've seen in the in the in this uh movie and uh that's very uncomfortable so not even considering the other side just considering that you have you have made yourself vulnerable with someone that you love and having that exposed then them knowing it and you know growing strong i don't know there's just a lot of complexity so that aspect really resonated with me and we can definitely as far as looking at the movie itself we can definitely pick out aspects that are less than endearing like what's already been talked about as far as malcolm uh he's selfish he's kind of self-centered he's kind of a man baby 
in certain ways, you, you, you know, and that's real. And and even through their turmoil between the two, I never thought that they didn't love each other. You know, even when yeah. it got brutal. So. Yep. Pepe, what about you? Uh, this movie was a hard one for me. Um, I really didn't like this movie. Um, but as far as just like the specific topic that we're talking about right now, I think that this movie puts to use a sort of like idea or, or trope, maybe you want to call it of the, this idea that like, if you're in love with someone, that means that that is like the person you're supposed to be with. And that's just not true. Like you can be in love with things that are bad for you. And so just because you're in love with someone doesn't mean they're like a good partner for you. And I thought that there was a sort of unspoken assumption in this movie that like, okay, these two people are in love with one another and therefore we're invested in them working it out or like they should work it out or the relationship is a good one because they're in love with one another. And I just think that that's not true at all. I just think that that's a not true statement. And I think that, I think that that sentiment was embodied in the, the, in the like song over the closing credits. And actually I think Kat, you mentioned it where like the, one of the first lines in that song is like hate and love are, similar things and that is all i find that also to be not true at all they are similar insofar as they are strong emotions but that's about it they're opposites they are not similar they're they're similar insofar as they are strong emotions that you have towards a person but i think that's about where their similarity ends um and so i don't know as far as like the being in a relationship person or the 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 thing that we're talking about right now that was sort of my feeling about it i i felt like these people are in love with each other fine but they don't that like they're being shitty to each other and they seem to not like being around each other unless they're fucking each other so like break up just break up yeah so were you rooting for them then to end the relationship by the end or were you and this is for everyone were you rooting for them to stay together i was on the bandwagon of uh having them work it out um but um i'm curious what you guys where you guys landed on that also devin did you have something to add earlier uh i don't remember anymore but yeah it was something okay. i was going to respond to what jim said but i totally forgot yeah sorry about that <laughs> that's totally fine um but yeah to answer your question i uh i i think i was more on the side of them splitting up i think especially i think there's more kind of red flags than just the way they treat each other which like if it was just that like maybe they could get some therapy to fix that but also like They've been together for like five years, if Jim's correct, in, in that uh, uh, time frame, and they're still not married. And uh, they're like in this house that like is not theirs. They've just been like put up in this house is what they said. The production crew like put them up in yeah. this house. So they don't have oh, maybe don't that. even have a place together. Uh, yeah, it's they don't seem to have a very healthy relationship. And yeah, they just seem to torture each other. And uh, it's implied this isn't the first time they've had a like whole big fight like this. So uh, I don't know. I don't see the point. I think life's too short to like make it work with people you you hate. I also thought they would break up by the end, which they didn't. But I had an alternative alternate title. Let's drive this relationship over a cliff. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I, I definitely thought I, I kind of relate to what everyone's saying. Um, I do think that this is a very, it, it definitely can accurately portray a type of relationship, but I don't think that relationship is necessarily healthy. Like, I don't think this is a healthy relationship. So I was also very much in the, like, I thought when she, you know, at the end, when she left the bed and he's looking for her, she was gone. Like, I thought that was, that was how the ending was going to be that she had left. And I was in favor of that ending because I, for me, at least I felt, like I said earlier, that I sympathize much more with her than I did with Malcolm. So I felt like she was totally in the right to want to leave that relationship and in something much healthier. Um, yeah, because I don't think, even though I think for sure that they, it, it is, you know, intentionally portrayed the amount of love that they have for each other and the history that they have for that they have with one another and how much, oh, how well they know one another. I don't think just because you intensely love someone that that means you should stay with them. And I don't think this film was actually trying to suggest that you should, because I think at the end, even Bingo. though it ended with them being kind of together, I, I do think that the suggestion of her leaving, you know, him waking up, her not being uh, next to him on the bed was kind of that indi indication. And I don't even know if at the, at the ending, when you see them kind of together, um, that that necessarily means that they are actually going to be together in a relationship. You know, um, yeah, it wasn't so. a happily ever after moment. I I didn't read it that way either. I don't think that they were presenting this as this is how it should be either. Uh, it was kind of how portrayed realistically. Uh, I know people who have been together for a long time who eventually break up, and they it's almost a gradual thing. Uh, sometimes not. Sometimes it's a clean break or or whatever. It's a break. But uh, many times they'll sort of drift out of orbit over time, you know, until finally they split off and go their separate ways. So I thought it was portraying it at least realistically. But I think she may have, I suspect she may have thought about taking off at some point during that mo morning or whatever, right? I mean, like she, she kind of almost did the, the night before when she said she went out to go pee or whatever. She, you know, there are these moments where she just is wanting to leave that will is there to like get out right i'm curious uh for pepe because i assumed you wouldn't like this movie for the same maybe similar reasons to why you wouldn't like horse girl but um they're, they're very different movies so i'm curious what were the reasons you didn't like this movie well i mean there are a lot of reasons but at least as to what as to how it pertains to what we were just talking about i wasn't rooting for either of those things for them to stay together or break up interesting i i don't think that the i don't think that uh i mean we in this movie we saw these two people over the course of what like six hours of their lives and we knew nothing about them before the movie started and nothing about them after the movie ends right so there, so in my mind, like there were never any stakes established, like as to me, why, why would I want them to be together or not be together? Um, I don't, I don't know if the movie gave me any basis for wanting either of those things. Um, 
To be honest, I was just rooting for the movie to end so I could stop listening to them argue. <laughs> I, I mean, I take your um, point. And, and, and the reason, that. but the reason for that, the reason watch. for that was because, well, it's not just that it's tough to watch, but like the reason, I think the reason for me for that was because I didn't see a point in their arguing. I didn't know what was at stake. Why do I care about these two people, whether they're together or not? The movie didn't give me any reason to care about them to care about like yeah it didn't give me any reason it didn't it didn't present a reason why i should care about whether these people stay together or not did anyone have uh, any of you have a kind of a a reason that might answer pepe's uh concern um i'm sure uh so so the the question is are we shipping Malcolm and Murray, right? Do we want them? Um, I, and maybe on another viewing, I would think differently because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexities um, within their exchanges. Um, I do feel that they should be together. Um, Is it messy? is there ugly moments are there parts of the relationship that are not healthy uh, of course um i guess the biggest driving um moment why i feel like they should be together because i i feel like the movie had a lot of dialogue that had a double entendre it also applied to us as the viewer uh, an example of that sure. was when um Malcolm was talking about his movie and he's saying it didn't have, it doesn't have these very large political overtones. It is about a drug addict that is trying to get clean and is dealing with these things. And she happens to be black, right? Um, So that's an example of something that is also a message, I believe, that is meant for us as well which may be to view the movie with those kind of nuances. But there was a point where when there were ta- uh, when Marie was talking about his speech and she ultimately wanted him to say in this speech, this movie was better because of you, right? That was like the crux. And I feel like that was a message as well. And um, and I took it as that. But um, before I go into that idea a little further, I believe that is the central conflict of this movie um, is should they stay together? Should they leave? And I think her being absent in the house, like what you were talking about, Kat, it p- played on that tension. Oh, my gosh, is this over? You, 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 you know, so it knew what it was trying to do in that respect. Um, but the better together or better apart, I like thought about it. Would these two people be better away from each other? Um, not to say that the relationship has to work or anything like that. And I feel like they have a lot of different vulnerabilities, um, you know, with her, you know, the addiction and, you know, overcoming the addiction and also being a uh, worthwhile human being with which she viewed herself. I am worthy, right? I'm worthwhile. 
that type of thing. And with him and uh, some of his selfish, self-centered nature, I think they are able to, at least this slice of life that we see, this one night where there's a lot of simmer and boil, they're working through those things as uncomfortable as it is for us to view. They're working through those things together, not apart. So I feel like they're better, as messy and ugly as some aspects of the relationship are. I think they're working better together. So, yeah, I think I jumped on board with that. And you said that very well. Would they be better apart or better together? And I kind of went back and forth mm -hmm. on that during the film. You said it in a really, you posed it in a really great way that kind of put, made things made sense, uh, made things make sense to me, kind of brought it together. And I think I was on board for yeah. that. Yeah, kind of subconsciously, like going back and forth. Is it better that, you know, they stay together or better they split up? And I came around to the, the fact that I was rooting, I may have been rooting for myself too in a long-term relationship, you know, because you have your rough patches here and there and your arguments, you know. And um, ultimately, I think they wanted to stay together. I think they wanted to work it out. So because of that, I was rooting for them to work it out. Do you, I do want to add, I, I really do sympathize where Pepe um, is coming from in regards to wanting to care for this movie. Like, what is the point? Um, I think for me, and I think, you know, maybe the reason why um, Jim and, and Ben... Uh, I think kind of for different, a little bit maybe for different reasons, but um, maybe interested in this film more is just, I think that, it's, well, okay, let me speak for myself. I I view human behavior and psychology, like that is something that very much interests me. And so how humans behave, how they interact. And I think when you're in a very serious, committed relationship, it really brings out kind of you know again vulnerability these things that most people may may not know about you in your life and so for me i'm i was invested in this in this movie because how interesting i found that in itself but if you're someone who doesn't find you know relationships or maybe the way that humans act within relationships per se interesting enough then this movie is not you know, you're not going to find this interesting whatsoever. And uh, not to say you, Pepe, might not find psychology or human behavior in general not interesting, but that that's a very small niche that I, again, going back to what Ben said earlier, like, or, uh, or Jim, that this movie wasn't for everyone. And I don't think that everyone's going to like this movie. And and I, I totally sympathize to why that is, because I think, it is a very targeted audience that I think this movie is trying to get um, interested in. Um, so I don't say, yeah, that, that I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, and I was also was, I was also thinking about had this relationship or their conversations, the argument, everything, had it been written um, with a different couple in mind or the conversations maybe not be as witty or, kind of constant banter and, and the ability to kind of you know able to attack one another in a very specific way what i have been interested in this movie like i don't know because there's obviously a lot of arguments that couples have that aren't necessarily the most entertaining and um had it been 
written in a different way that was obviously not as dramatic or not talking about Hollywood itself and the way that the movie industry works, because that was a huge part of this whole argument. I don't know if I would have found this movie, you know, that interesting either. So, yeah. And that part of it was kind of a doorway into it for me. Um, but I think I hung in there. At some points, I wanted to even maybe not like the movie, but I think maybe I was able to actually sympathize directly um, with it. A, I'm a filmmaker, and B, uh, in a long-term relationship. So I almost hung in there and rooted for them because of myself, and maybe I thought I could get some kind of insight out of this movie specifically that would help me or make me a better person in a relationship. Just for my own, what got kept me, you know, uh, tied in to invested. watching it and invested, yeah, and invested in and seeing the outcome, you know. Well, you you say you you wanted that out of the film. Do you feel like you got that? Do you feel like you got a, a lesson for to to use in your own relationship and out of it? I actually, I was hoping to kind of clarify a lot of this in the conversation. This was a tough, uh, maybe the toughest film for me to kind of. Uh, digest or whatever, you know, because there was so much going on and I did sympathize directly with it. So it's almost like I maybe don't even have the space to from which to view it constructively. Um, I was kind of, I was even trying to like think like, what would I grade this? Like going into the conversation, I was like, you know, I'm just going to wait until we talk today and kind of figure it out. So, but I do think there was some value there uh, to be had. Yeah. Uh, especially since they were able to at least stay together for the night. What do you think about it, Devin? Yeah, I'm not sure. That was one of the kind of questions I had coming away is like sort of what's the point uh, that, they're, that they're trying to make if it's like, you know, if the message is just that you should stick it out in a, a crappy relationship and try to, to work through your problems or if it's more meta and more like a commentary, it like more is focusing on the film industry stuff. One of the things that I thought about uh, is, is it relevant that the characters in this story are black? Because they talk about how in his film, it's not really relevant that the character is black. It's like, it's not about race. And it's like, well, is this film about race? Or is that also like, is it a commentary as the, is the film commentary commentating on itself? Um, but I, I, I feel like it raised a lot of interesting questions and then didn't give any interesting answers. A lot of yeah, questions. That was me. a, that was another frustration that I had with it. Um, mm -hmm. It, and even so, like Devin said, it, it talks about like, like that, that opening clip that you played, uh, Ben, yeah, yeah. when he's talking about how, like, because I'm a black filmmaker, people who are seeing this movie are, are going to automatically think that this has a political or racial message mm -hmm. and when i when he started talking about that i was like oh this is interesting it, if this is what this conversation is going to be about that would be a really interesting conversation but then it doesn't it isn't really about the conversation doesn't really continue no that was kind of the um, doorway into this right yeah and then but then he also talks about um this is this is another thing that um this movie does that annoys me and this might be just something that is annoying to me is that you shouldn't in your movie you shouldn't talk about movies that are better than your movie and he does that a lot in this movie but if he had been like if he had talked about those movies in some sort of substantive way 
as it related to something that was going on with his movie or something that was going on with their relationship. That would have been very interesting, but that didn't happen. Um, he also talks about what it's like to just be an artist and what it's like to like express oneself in an artistic way. Um, and he has a little bit of a monologue about it. It's pretty, it's short, but it's a little bit of a monologue. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, if this is going to be about artistry, okay, that's interesting too. Um, but it's not really about that either. Um, and even, and, but even beyond that, at least for me, that there were things in the movie beyond just what was being spoken. Um, and what I mean is like, like the way in which it was shot, like the black and white, I thought doing it in black and white was an interesting choice, but I thought that the way in which they did it just sort of rubbed me the wrong way because you can get that black and white where things are sort of like fuzzy around the edges and that's how this one was. And that to me seemed to be in conflict with the sort of like surgical precision of what was going on throughout the whole movie because you can film things in a really crisp black and white. And I thought that the movie would have been better served that way. Um, so I know I'm talking a lot, but it also had some, it also had some interesting shots where the camera was on people's reflections in mirrors and you were getting Deep to see different shot. pieces, different pieces of them. And they were moving in ways that you didn't expect. Um, but they were so brief that they sort of, those were sort of like oases for me. And there was actually one particular uh, shot that I remember where one of them was in the background and one of them was in the foreground, but yep. they were separated. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting shot. What's he going to do? And then basically nothing happens. It just kind of zooms that in. That was their the Citizen Kane the... shot. And he mentioned Citizen Kane in there. These people don't know about, in fact, I think I have that clip. Yeah. But uh, that was the, when he was getting the, uh, he got the uh, time. The LA Times review came in. They did a deep focus shot in the style of Citizen Kane, and that was one of my favorite shots in the film, actually, um, where they were playing with yeah. the reflection in the mirror and them. The camera was sitting on the table all the time. It was a, it was a long take or a oneer we call it. And uh, there's no cuts. It's just one camera shot. They go into the other room. You hear them talking. They come back. She's sitting at the table. He's going back and forth. You see her reflection. It was beautifully staged. Um, so that one was working particularly well for me. Um, so there were these like standout um, moments. That, they the, were kind of like oases, in, even in the argument, right? Go ahead, Devin. Yeah. I was gonna, speaking of the, the cinematography in the black and white, um, one of the things that, that bugged me that, that I've seen in other black and white films and it's always seemed weird is when they go outside, there's a couple scenes where they go outside. Two of them are with a tree in particular, the big oak tree, it looks like. And there's just... Yeah, I was going to say, there's just this fucking UFO strobe light behind yeah. the tree so that you can see the actors. And it's like, that light doesn't exist in the universe of the film. Right, there's right, just a right. light there. And then later, when he's having his little like tantrum outside, again, he's in like incredibly bright light. And it's like, is this like the brightest, like a fullest moon that has ever existed? It's yeah. so bizarre. Can you suspend your disbelief? And David Lynch would agree with you. There's a famous argument he had on set when he was filming uh, Firewalk With Me. They were out in the forest and, um, you know, there's no lights out there, right? Especially with the canopy of the trees above. And so they're lighting it. And he's like, well, I want it naturally lit, you know, and you can't really do that on film either because the film's just not, we call it fast enough. It won't expose, right? You need some light. And so, um, you know, he's like, well, then, you know, David Lynch said to the, to the, the gaffer, uh, you know, what, 
you explained to me where this light's coming from. And he said, the same place the music comes from. So it's kind of an ongoing. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah, it's kind of an ongoing thing. It's like you know you have to balance that out. Uh, at least they did it in an artistic well, and interesting looking way. But you're right that they totally speaking used of the floodlight behind that tree. Speaking of the music, though, too, this this film was very intentional. All the music is in universe. It in exists. Universe. It's it's all records that Diagetic. he's playing or the mm-hmm. things he's playing on her phone. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know they, they were very intentional about all of that. And then there's just this strange light. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Let anyway, me play, that let me play that clip. This was her way of teasing him about uh, weaponizing the music earlier when he was trying to apologize through the music, and that really pissed her off. And so she was kind of like flipping that and kind of teasing him about it. But she's also, when it gets, I'm going to set it up because I'm not playing the whole clip. It's just too long. But uh, when she says the part about breaking up with them, it really affects him. And you will, you only see this visually. So if you haven't seen it, you probably should watch this, the movie to really get a sense of it. And then she almost apologizes later in the song. And I thought that was kind of just a beautiful moment. It wasn't an, wasn't one of these intense argumentative moments, but it was an effective one for me. I'll play the clip um, for you now, which I try to catch where she does both parts. So you hear her kind of teasing him and maybe like taking a jab and then like yeah, apologizing, right? Very interesting to me. And I'll break your heart into thought that was such a nice interesting and unique kind of fresh way to have that moment and a lot of it played out visually again um but man i just love that moment i ended up watching it again and getting the clip wow really really uh well done there one of those oases as uh, pepe was talking about for me what is that film term when you use sound that is within the story diegetic and then non-diegetic diegetic meaning in world okay yeah then they use that a lot for sure that which i enjoyed i what i was actually wondering about is the house itself um was this house built for the film um or did they look at multiple kind of sets and think of okay we're gonna write it based off of you know how the set is played out because that played a huge part in the way this was shot um similar to not done as well and definitely after this movie but for parasite you know that whole house was built for parasite um oh was it oh i didn't know that that's yeah. oh that's excellent yeah so that, i love when they do do that though when they build the place and it just feels like a very real house or whatever but you find out it was just totally constructed for the movie you know um i don't know yeah. this one I wouldn't be surprised to learn that it's it's like the director's house or like some it, it looks very much yeah, like yeah. it's one of those like Hollywood Hills houses that are like always made of cement for some reason. I don't know why rich people want to build their houses out of cement. <laughs> like it's the most it looks like the worst material to make a house out of. It'd be like ice cold all the time or like really hot mm-hmm. in the summer. Like it's not I don't know. This takes them back Sorry. to Soviet block Russia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. I was going to say it's a uh, modern day castle. You know, <laughs> I live in a castle. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that could be it. 
That's man, funny. I have to say, I was when this movie first started, I was excited because I read that like opening sequence um, of her of them getting home and her immediately going to the bathroom as a reference to uh, Eyes Wide Shut because that happens in the beginning of that oh, movie yeah, too. That's right. And I was like, oh, maybe this movie's gonna be good. <laughs> Did you I, think I Eyes know. Wide Shut was good? I was kind of uh, yeah. Like, I was okay on that one. I it wasn't like. I, by the end, I wasn't like at the same level as some of the other Kubrick movies I've I've loved. Um, um, but I don't hate. I, it I, I'm a I'm a little bit of a I'm a well I'm probably the wrong guy to ask that. I Kubrick <laughs> can just do no wrong for me. So gotcha. Yeah, he's right up there for me too. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Well, but, I, but the reason I thought that is well, we're not talking about Eyes Wide Shut, but I think that that scene in Eyes Wide Shut when you see uh what's her name um going to the bathroom yeah nicole kidman that that scene is the scene through which you read that movie um in my mind and uh and that's why i was excited like oh my favorite parts of that though of that film yeah yeah well i think that i think that one of the points of that movie is is that you have this um uh, how would I want to say that? That scene at the beginning with them just in their room is more pornographic than anything else that happens in the rest of that movie because it's so personal and so intimate and so private than anything else that happens in that movie. Um, and so Let's I make thought, watch it. with this, <laughs> yeah. And so I thought <laughs> that with this movie starting out like that, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be a movie about like, intimacy and privacy and what goes on in a relationship and in a certain sense it was right or in a very obvious sense it was um but i don't think it i don't think it lived up to uh eyes wide shut at the very least (laughs) but that's those are big shoes so i mean the question i i had earlier and i kind of want to i i have like a feel on what everyone's answers might may be at this point but do you feel under the circumstances that this film was shot and directed and written in? So it being one of the first films during the pandemic and being shot during the pandemic, um, did it do, did it succeed in telling a story? Do you feel like it did that or no? I, I do feel like it did succeed, but uh, it was a very challenging movie to kind of consume or digest or, or or what have you um and i'm still trying to figure out whether or not i would classify it as something that i liked um but i did feel like it was worth watching do you think the movie would have done the movie do you think the movie was constricted because of the conditions it was shot in no i don't and feel free to chime in guys how do you guys feel? No, I don't feel like it was constricted at all. I think it added to it. Um, so watching this yeah. the, this movie, my first impressions, right? You, you know, and when you're 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 making any type of like judgment or evaluation, you're taking what you know from the, your past experience, right? We've already mentioned Citizen Kane and Eyes Wide Shut as far as movies, and, and I who's have not. Of Virginia Woolf. 
and I have not seen any of those. I've missed some classics. I've seen others. And so that informs what you guys had stated informed me as far as the intentionality of the movie that everything was purposeful. So I'm kind of wondering why that fuzzy around the edges, what purpose that played. Um, but uh, to answer your hmm. question directly, do I feel like it constrained the film? The fact that they filmed it inside? No, not at all. Um, I felt like the cinematography moving from room to room um, as they're moving and talking and showing one partner and sometimes not the other uh hence that you know eating macaroni and cheese scene where it just focused on him as he's yelling at her in the other yeah. room Stella. uh yeah and, and uh so anyways first impressions i got the impression of the real world you know when i want to when yeah. i watch those series but all in one night totally. like you know when people start you know stop being polite and start getting real uh they were very real and i got impression of quentin tarantino in the sense in the sense that dialogue was crisp absolutely it was fresh and it was unapologetic in so many different ways it was unflattering um pepe mentioned the scene where she's using the bathroom yeah that's very intimate it's very personal it's very private and it's unflattering you know, which set that kind of uh, tone for the movie. So I, I I felt like it played very well just being in the house. And whether or not the movie was ultimately successful, I can say going into it that I was on board for the type of movie that it was, for that type of film. I wasn't like, oh, it's on one set and it's between two people in black and white. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, this is like, like I said, like it reminded me of, one of those gems I might have uncovered in the video store in the 90s, you know, the way it was shot and done. So I was like excited for that aspect of it. Um, I don't I, I don't think it was hindered by COVID. I think this is definitely a film that that could have come out any time. Um, I think that the I don't think though that it succeeds really as a as a story, like holistically, because like, you know, a story has like what are the uh, it's like a plot uh or, or setting characters plot conflict and, and resolution so obviously it has characters in a setting um i think the other three are a little more debatable because you have like the the conflict that carries the plot and leads to a resolution and while there's a lot of conflict you know like lowercase c conflict in this film i don't know that there's like a central con conflict that really like is resolved by the end you know there's not like 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 Pepe was saying, there's no reason to really care. There's no stakes. Um, and that's that, that's kind of where it's a little hollow. It's, it doesn't like it doesn't totally ruin the film for me, which is kind of weird. But uh, yeah, I don't think it really fully succeeds the story, but I think it's close. No, you hit the nail on the head there. It was about the the resolution. And I think what they were again, this goes back to what I've been saying. This keeps coming up about experimental movies. And that experimental aspect was how real can we make this? And in real life, there aren't moments that just resolve things in the American movie sense, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe they were pushing it in that way, and uh, that was part of the experiment of this film. And it stayed true to that more than the let's deliver the super fun happy ending or, or what have you that mm -hmm. just resolved everything. But it can also work against it. I mean, that's part of it too, right? Yeah, I mean, to my to my mind... To my mind, this this is going to sound harsher than I would actually be on this movie, but to my mind, this movie 
failed in almost every conceivable way a movie can. <laughs> um, yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't sound I, harsh at I all. don't. <laughs> well, but I, I, I think it did, but I don't think that this movie is without merit and that it is without good things in it. I just think that it is deficient in basically every way a movie can be, um, almost. Did you not uh, like the acting? Because I, I felt like the acting was really the thing that the movie could hang its hat on. Because I think the the performances yeah. were incredible. Agreed. I did not like the acting. Um, I think that that I think um, I wasn't paying attention to the acting, um, which to which to my mind is a good thing until the scene where he starts eating that bowl of macaroni and cheese, and I'm like, oh, he's acting the fuck out of eating that mac and cheese. And then I really started paying attention and there were a lot of scenes where the acting was not good uh, to my mind. Um, where, where is the yeah, number one um, but, faltering point? Just so we have a point of reference. If you have one. Well, number one, number one would definitely be eating a bowl of mac and cheese, eating the bowl of mac and cheese. I thought that, I thought that if they were, if he was Wasn't doing just a play, I mean, yeah, it almost did seem like a play. Sorry. I didn't mean to interject. Yeah. If he was, if he was on a stage, in a play yeah. eating a bowl of mac and cheese that would have been a good performance but okay. he was not he was in a movie and he was i mean it, i i i have expected like john lovitz to like sh john lovitz is that his name to show up and then just be like acting you know acting <laughs> yeah. yeah right yeah it was um so um yeah but i think that i think that the movie what about her, though? asked cuz i yeah, think you know, did I, go over the top I think that she, by my, by, from my perspective, she kind of blew him out of the water in a lot of the scenes. And I really thought that she was wonderful. So was it just him? Was it both of them? Was he dragging her down? You know, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if I could give a well-formed opinion about that. The one thing sure. that, as far as her performance goes, that sticks out in my mind, and this might be, I think the movie was working against her in this is that there are, there was a really long scene or she's in that bathtub for a really long time. It's a long and he is saying he is like eviscerating her. Right. And yeah. she is sitting there staring at him and her bottom lip is just like quivering for yeah. like a half an hour. And it, it just, yeah, it seemed a little silly to me because that, I mean, it went on for so long. That's interesting. Her, Face didn't change. I, yeah, yeah she was it didn't work for me. Hold the, she, I'm not defending it, but yeah, obviously she was trying to hold up like her her guard or whatever, right? Put up a put up a wall. But yeah, that also is a scene that wasn't the best for me either. I felt that they held that too long. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I think if there had been a cut, giving her some opportunity to okay. show a different emotion, do something different, it would have been better. That may have been where the constraint of the time constraint, they filmed it over six days in a house with a low budget may have played into yeah. it because you are always pushing up against time and they may have just been like, look, we need to do this with one camera angle and one take and we're going to hold. And uh, you, um, it's up yeah. to the actor at that point. So, While I mostly like the performances, there is a particular thing that I've noticed that uh zendaya does in a lot of movies she does like she acts with her lips a lot mm -hmm. and so like the trembling lip thing i've seen before and then she has this one face that she makes that 
is the MJ character she plays. She yes. like, permanently has this mask on that's like the smirk, like the half smirk with like her eyes kind of mm-hmm. half shut. And she does that at one point in the movie. And it's like, it's so like, it's such a weird like trademark face that she makes that literally like you can go through every frame of Spider-Man. She's always making that face. And it's it's just strange. And it pulled me out of this film when I saw it. And I don't know if it was necessarily a problem, but it was just like, oh, there's the MJ face. Like, yeah, know, it was odd. I, but she I does like, she uses her eyebrows and lips too. a lot to act. No, you're right. And I wonder sometimes, I'll be quick, I wonder sometimes if that is like either a bag of tricks type of thing where the actor like Tom Cruise goes to his bag of tricks a lot. For example, he's the big, big one for that. And Eyes Wide Shut, he does it a lot, I'll point out. Um, a lot of the actors act their way around him in that film, I think. But because um, he goes, dips to that bag of tricks so much, you know, the Tom Cruise thing, right? And so she has a thing. But I wonder if that speaks more to just her um latitude as an actor um her range um and having a small range isn't necessarily not effective but you do have to be careful when you do become famous because those kind of normal ticks that are just who she is and how she responds can become a thing right I, I, these are things that keep me up at night as a director i yeah. was curious how you guys felt about the specific scene cuz we're talking about acting um uh-huh. where she I think she pulls out like a knife and yeah, I uh, oh no I didn't mean to cut you off I just was okay I had you um, have a play but yeah um but yeah where she she pulls out a knife and um basically says she's been off her meds and everything um and then at the end she obviously dissolves to like a like that was acting you know that's what she says that's how you actually act but it tricked, obviously, he felt like she was being for real. And it tricked me as a viewer. Like, I mm-hmm. thought she was being for real at that moment. Um, and then so when she stops and says that's acting, I was like, oh, shit, okay. Um, that and that's, a- when I, that's what impressed me. Like, her, that's when her acting impressed me. So I'm wondering how you guys felt about that scene, if you recall it. Um, and if Absolutely. you think she did a good job on that or not. I'll play the clip and then I'll respond. And I, I want to hear from everyone, too because uh i have very some, something very specific to say and it's not the whole thing her and um i did like her acting um but let's just play the little this is just the end of it uh most of the acting part was before this i just can't do like you know minute and a half long clips tell me where the pills are um mm. And that, Malcolm, is what authenticity buys you. Well, damn, why'd you do that in the audition? <laughs> that was a genuinely <laughs> funny part for me. But uh, yeah, I saw that yeah. coming. I was like, this is her trying to prove to him that she's acting. And I wrote that in my notes beforehand. Um, but that doesn't mean that she did a bad job. In fact, I wish I didn't see it coming because that would have been a good moment. How about for the rest of you guys? Was that a, uh, yeah. a, a good twist? It definitely tricked me. Like I was convinced, but also okay, I think good. it's kind of a, a cheat because like my suspension or my disbelief is already suspended that Zendaya is this character. And so when that character starts playing another character, it's like she kind of already, my, my disbelief is already suspended. So I don't know if it was like, she was so good that it tricked me into, you know, fully tricked me. But it was, yeah, in the moment, I wasn't sure if uh, uh, that was that was authentically her or not. 
Um, but yeah, no, I think she acted the hell out of that. That was, that was definitely good. I think she did a mostly a good job throughout the entire thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think heightened emotions, especially anger, are a little easier to act. I think when they weren't angry is when there was more cracks forming, like like Pepe had said with the trembling lip. But I think like both of them did a really good job when they were at like the absolute highest points of their their anger. Although some of the quiet moments, like the one where she was singing, were was like my favorite scene. Um, True. But I yeah. think when you're, yeah, when you're trying to hold back the tears, that's a tough thing to play. Um, and again, I think the constraints of six days and having to shoot the sucker um, probably played into that a little bit. So I'm a little forgiving of that. But uh, again, yeah, aside from being picky, I think mostly they did a good job. But did the twist work for you, Pepe? Did they did they catch you off guard on that one? You know, I was I was so happy when that started happening because I was like, oh, this movie does have an idea about something like this is going to be a movie about a thing. Oh, boy. Um, and and but I think she I mean, I, I wouldn't dispute her doing a good job acting in that scene. Um, and she did fool me. I was but I was I but I, it was in my it was in my hope that this movie would have a murder in it, uh, you know. Uh, That's funny. That that something would come of this this movie. What about seems you, Jim? This... Yeah, go ahead, Kat. I was just gonna say, it seems like it's a theme with you, Pepe. This movie of like, wow, we're off to a good start. Oh shit, that disappointed me. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Just I think, something no, you I didn't think you're want right. it to be about. I think maybe. This this movie was just was just blue balls for me. It was just like, oh, that's a good shot. Now it's over. Oh shit! You got me all up on my good shot boner here. Like, Come on, man! It just wasn't your specific type. Yeah. Yeah. Did it yeah, fool you, Jim? So. Uh, yeah, yeah. To quote, um, since we talked about Malcolm X, to to qu quote a couple of words from that line from that movie. Yeah, I was hood. You know, I was hoodwinked was bamboozled <laughs> for sure but i don't think all at least the veneer of that was an act you, you, you know the that was the night. There, right? there was venom yeah yeah there was, there was. yeah well there. there was there was a def there was definitely a real reason why he believed mm -hmm. her yeah exactly yeah i think yeah. that's kind of what i was getting the like suspension disbelief thing is like yeah it's like a very realistic thing for that particular character to do mm -hmm. um and i think that definitely yeah like you have to have like some form of mental illness to do something like that to like be enough of a like you know like be sociopathic in that moment to like fully become another person and then switch it off like that some you things know, it's yeah you're right Devin. I, I think that some things to act them in an authentic way um you may have had to have been to that low place to really understand what it's like or something similar enough emotionally to go there. And clearly, if we're staying meta here, and she's, you know, had experienced that, she played it as if that pain had been felt by her. Whether or not Zendaya was pulling from something of her own life or not, or if she was able to achieve that purely through uh, means of acting, I'm not sure. Um, but I think it worked pretty well. Let me, let me uh, move to a clip. Um, I have uh, I tried to do a, a back and forth where they answer each other. This is just a good clip of what I liked. Both the idea of this is answering the mac and cheese thing. Since he had his say, I wanted to have her say, right? Uh, but I don't think there's eating, Devin. If there is, pull your headphones off for a second. 
But uh, this was her response <laughs> to a meeting that I thought it was great. They did had a good tit for tat thing, and it did remind me of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, if you guys have seen that. So here's her response to him yelling in that Stella-like scene, right? You know what, Malcolm? If you're gonna treat me like an insane person and call me fucking crazy, the least you could do is do it without casually eating macaroni and cheese. How does that work for you? What does that sound like in your fucking brain? What a cunt. Hmm, this macaroni cheese is delicious. What a cunt. I wonder if there's no more mac and cheese. What a cunt. If I could direct commercials for Kraft mac and cheese, I would. <laughs> you're right, Devin. That That's should have the... been my commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scene where she's making the MJ face. I remember distinctly. That's the one where she's doing the like half smirk with her like eye eyelids down. Like she's doing it in that in that moment. And it sounds like her MJ character other than the curse words. But can I say yeah, I she has that kind of voice. accent? I wasn't surprised mm -hmm. to find out she came from a musical background because she just has kind of a melodic quality to her voice. It's great. Um, but let's uh, move forward to the authenticity thing. This is the thing I really wanted to get to. So I think it's kind of clever. They talk about authenticity and go back and forth about it. And then they move into a fight that is more authentic than the rest of the movie. So I'll, uh, I'll play them back to back. You know why people love that word? It's why? Because they don't know what makes something good. Yeah, well, I think authenticity is key. Of course you do, because that's all you have to offer. Oh, that's anyone wow. all they have so to say. It's the only awesome. word okay. that people Thank that don't you, know Malcolm. shit about film feels like they got something to offer. But nobody knows no, or cares about film anymore. They can't say anything about film, but they love to talk about authenticity. You know, they don't know dick about film, about fucking Citizen Kane or... <laughs> so okay so like uh, i think it was jim who said something about quentin tarantino so a lot of the movies like yeah this this dialogue is great this dialogue is great here's what a real fight sounds like they move into an authentic fight like you want authenticity here's an authentic fight i hate you no, i hate you too. i hate you more you fucking I hate you the most. i fucking hate oh, you fucking mental patient i mean that's that's where they went real i thought that was pretty clever like okay let's talk about authenticity you want a real fight let me write what a real fight looks like compared to a staged cinematic fight because his argument was you have to have this staged you can't just do that what they did you have to turn it into like something that's interesting and and for a movie so the it was an interesting example there pretty clever yeah, it wasn't poetic at all like the rest of the movie kind of was yeah, that exactly. Scene was very just like fuck you. Okay, then fuck you too. Yeah, yeah. it's almost like the writer's like trying the to one... prove his own point, right? <laughs> it's like the one moment they give into their emotions like fully, because like they're they're not really very emotive when they're fighting otherwise, because they're very like again they're like debating almost most of the time. Um, yes. in, a, in a way, yes. And that's that fight in particular is the one where they're that's like just pure emotion, nothing else. Right, and if you did a whole film of that, it wouldn't work. I agree with them. So even though that's authentic or more authentic than the Tarantino-esque uh, dialogue, you can't really like hang your hat on that as far as a, a film goes. So well, well done. I forget the writer-director's name. Uh, well done, guy. Uh, let me do uh, one last clip, and we'll kind of round off our, our conversation after this. Uh, she had a, a really good uh, scene at the end that I felt did cap off their central conflict about being thanked but i do have something to say about it and i want to hear what you guys think about how they resolved that uh main conflict between them about her him forgetting to be thankful for her and again this is just the end because 
this this movie was like either diatribe or long monologue, right? But we only can get a, a few seconds of each thing. So here's the end of that sequence. Thank you for assuming the best. I love you, Marie. I'll always love you, my Marie. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. So, did that work for you guys? Or was it kind of a cop-out that she ended up having to thank herself? Oh, she was telling him what she wanted him to say to her, right? Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, he says, oh, I love you. And then they kind of have their resolution of the night. That's where the night resolves. And then we get the morning scene, which is kind of like an epilogue or something. So what do you mean by cop out, I, I guess, for that? Because she ended up, she never got the thanks from him, right? Like the thing she mm-hmm. wanted, she ended up having to do the job for herself. And that struck me as interesting. It was almost like he couldn't yeah. do it or something, and she had to do it for him. She had to fill in that gap. Part of that, I mean, yeah, it's part of that lack of resolution, definitely. And I think that in that moment, I kind of like saw him in, you know, I, I could imagine two ways the movie would go that would both be a resolution. One is he doesn't say thank you. After she gives that speech, I expected him. It's like the next words out of his mouth either need to be thank you or not thank you. And uh, I was like, if he says thank you, okay, it's kind of a trite resolution, whatever they they make up, they're happy. If he doesn't say thank you, she leaves him. And that's like the more interesting conclusion is like, she finally decides that's it. If you if you can't thank me after I've just like given the speech to you, I've handed it to you. Um, and then he doesn't. He says, I think I'm sorry is the next words he says after she does that whole speech about all the ways he could thank her. And then he just says, I'm sorry. I was like, okay, she's gonna leave. That's the resolution. And then that doesn't happen. And it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I um, think he, when he plops down on the pillow, he does say it. If I, my memory is kicking in here, but it's not like that, you know, where it's almost like that was written for him to say, but she said it for him. But go ahead, Jim. What did you think? No, I, I think there's a lot of nuances in this movie. And it's, it, it is so interesting. Like what we are taking in, um, depending on who we are, you know, our very different reactions to to this movie and, and the individual point. scenes. I feel like we could talk about this even more, but I know, you know, um, it's a dense one. Yeah, very dense. Um, and I think if you watch it again, you would come with a different feeling. I think too, which is interesting. But I, I feel like that in that scene, she is. So like in friendships and relationships, it, it, it is part of us to educate our partner or friend on how we would like to be treated. You, you, you know what I mean? Um, what our boundaries are, right? Um, rather than keeping that kind of stuff covert. Um, and I think in that moment, because this was such a deep hurt, she was modeling how she would like to be treated in that moment i took him not saying thank you because right after she taught him how she wanted to be treated and he clearly had not done it say it now uh you know that's not to be believed you know it's not heartfelt 
Um, yeah, and you're right. so they just did, went in it, and you know, a, a it wouldn't different... have come across as that way. Hmm? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remind like me, it. is this is the this is the scene where she's sitting on the bed yes. and she talks to him, and then he says, "I love you," and then she, okay, yes, yes. So yes. this was another this is another problem that I think movies have is that they have two endings. One of them is good, and one of them is bad. Okay, and this one, the good. To my, I, unless you're to Lord my of the mind, Rings and you have like five endings. <laughs> well, if you're Lord of the Rings, you also have like, if you're Lord of the Rings, you also have like five Jesuses too. That's so many true. Jesuses in Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, like I, when I saw that scene, when she gets up from the bed and walks out of frame, uh-huh. I was, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, that's the end. And that was a good ending because you don't know whether she's going to him or whether she's leaving. And I was like, oh, okay, good ending. But then there's like 10 minutes more of the movie. Yeah. And it's it's not as not as good as that that ending. Yeah, you gotta murder your think, children. Get out and get uh, out of the scene as soon as possible, right? Yeah. I yeah. I think um but I think that's a common problem with movies is that movies I have agree. two endings. I agree. It's hard to be brave and just cut it like that. But the movies that do, I tend to respect that they do that. And I'm struggling to come up with one off the top of my head that just kind of goes out on a moment like that but they exist and i've never been like oh well i guess there could have been kind of an epilogue thing but uh or it would have been better for having seen that epilogue or whatever you know movies totally do that a lot the fa the false ending right yeah right yeah yeah good point but cat did that work for you i'm more curious about what you thought about how that and I think Jim's point uh, was a good one that she was modeling that behavior and, and just finally telling him what he instructing him on as to how to behave or whatever you know like maybe you do need to do that maybe that's the thing I take away from this you know sometimes you just gotta communicate in no uncertain terms but uh, not to interject or inject uh, what you thought did, did that work for you the the her monologue um. I guess I want to, so I feel throughout the whole movie that Malcolm is very much kind of like a man baby. And I also think that's why that <laughs> Mac and cheese eating, like yeah. the way he was eating, it actually reminded me of my dad when he eats. And given he can't really breathe throughout his nose, so there's an actual legit, like legitimate reason why he kind of has to eat like that. But oh. when that scene was like, for me, <laughs> it was very authentic. It was very like, oh, this it reminds was. me yeah. of um, of a man baby, honestly. Um, yeah. And that on top of just, I think throughout him kind of being self-centered and I kind of felt like he, he did gaslight her and I think also yeah, the fact did. that their their relationship formulated while she was a drug addict or going through the process of of um, of getting recovered. better, yeah. getting recovered. It's like you're starting a relationship based off someone who is in a very different state of their life and also in a very vulnerable state in their life. It's probably not going to like long term wise. It's not going to work out because you know, who you were for that person at that time is going to be fundamentally different than who you are going to be later when that person is, you know, able That's to be independent and not dependent on you. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that um, element to it. So the ending for me just kind of, again, reaffirm this notion that she had to spell it out for him, for him to understand 
and for him to yeah. get it. And even then, you know, like what Devin said, he still doesn't say it. But I also agree that had he said it, it wouldn't have been really genuine at that point because the issue wasn't him not saying it at any point of the night. It was that he didn't say it during his speech when he yeah. got awarded. And that was a moment she wanted him to say it in, not, not later on. You're not going to get that moment back. So, yeah. So um, I guess the ending for me, it just kind of gave me more, re more reason to think that she was going to leave him or just more mm -hmm. reason for me to feel like she should have. So. so two things. Um, yeah, I, I do think that he, she didn't get the thank you. Him saying it then wouldn't work all great points uh i do think that he got it though i did get from that scene that he understood where she was coming from finally so in that sense i think that it resolved um although it took us talking about it again for me to kind of clarify that point for myself um and i forget my other point so we'll, <laughs> we'll just go from there if it comes back i'll shout it out uh sometime before the final yeah. I don't disagree that he didn't get it at that moment but it how like it took so much for him to oh, get to now. that moment no, no yeah exactly and okay so i yeah they clearly formed this relationship from your talking about that uh from a place where the power dynamic between them was askew and not even however i felt that would come more into play during the movie but i didn't sense that so maybe it's from her growth or the dynamic shifting that's causing this friction because he's used to being the savior or whatever or the storyteller that she accused him of being what have you uh did they arrive in a place at the end where their dynamic was more balanced let's start with jim on this one did they arrive um, in a healthier place at the end of this a, a place um, where they could have a relationship i think the whole exchange throughout um, because them speaking, you know, with each other and, and the different exchanges throughout, I was straddling two ideals. So definitely both of them have, um, some blind spots and some vulnerabilities and some emotional immaturity in certain ways, you know, lashing out and you know, saying you're a mental case, the gaslighting, the, you know, the back and forth. He said all the previous relationships that he had had in effort to hurt her um, yeah. under the guise of these are the inspirations I took for the role. It wasn't just you, you know, those are like, oh, my God, you know. Um, but the other ideal was he still kept going to try to resolve um these disparities between the two of them that takes certain level of emotional maturity right and um you, you know and i think the theme or i guess my biggest takeaway from this is that relationships are messy and 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 I do have a bias. Let me state what my bias is. I feel like more and more um, people, just in general, it does not matter age, um, people are not taking the time 
the effort, the wade in the deep waters of what friendships and relationships are. I feel like as a generality, that is happening in our culture. Um, and some of it may be not knowing how, not wanting to, um, which makes this movie very difficult because I see both sides. There is some gaslighting. There is some not healthy aspects of this relationship. I've never been in a relationship that's 100% healthy. So I have that bias. Um, and these deeper things, when you learn to connect with another human being, there's going to be some glaring you know, aspects that need to be worked through or not, right? That's for each person in the respective relationship to answer. Um, Definitely. And, and um, I also, and I'm sorry for talking so much, but I also feel like we are also a society that knows a lot of pop psychology, right? We, uh, in the age of the internet, we have this topical understanding of a bunch of different things, but I'm not sure if we have it a deep understanding, myself included. I agree. And, um, you know, gaslighting, yes, if you take it and divorce it for what it is, it is harmful. It is toxic. But if you're looking at a relationship, and again, I'm coming from the bias that not that any relationship is not 100% healthy, not not 100%. It's going to be some elements that are less than, right? And so it comes to this point where you have to ask yourself the question of someone who is in a relationship, is this okay? Uh, should we work through this? Or uh, this is not something that I want to work through and I need to leave. And there's ba there's... There, there's reasons, very valid reasons for both, depending on how they show up and the intensity and what what exactly yeah. is going on. I, did any did all of that make sense? I feel like I'm just kind of absolutely nebulous. no. It's like, I mean, at least to me, it's like you either can you either decide you can live with something or you think maybe you can work on it and improve it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or there's a breaking point, and I think every relationship has a different breaking point. Uh, and these two actually definitely were looking to see if that was something they were going to reach, uh, and apparently not. Not I think their relationship may have been stronger coming out of this than going into it. Uh, but um, anyone else before yeah. we kind of wrap up? I mean, but what you said made sense, Jim. Yeah. Okay. And resonated yeah. with me. I was just gonna say I think. Um... Often, often we we do define like relationships, especially now with terms like toxicity, problematic. Those are a lot more like uh, common terms now that we we kind of tend to throw out sometimes uh, um, for for things that maybe not that may not be exactly toxic or problematic. But um, but what you made me think about Jim is that really no relationship can be healthy because not any person is 100% healthy like we all have unhealthy traits and behavior and attributes and it's not so much whether or not relationship is exactly 100% healthy um or not but whether or not the people like you said are 
you know, invested in working on it together, or if it's better for both of them to separate, you know, um, that essentially there's just a decision and both those decisions are very valid. Um, you know, whatever that, whatever fits that person better, um, or that relationship better. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I, I definitely, uh, understood what you were saying and, um, definitely I think is true, but yeah, I don't think any relationship is a hundred percent healthy. No. And, uh, but yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, does that mean because you can't have perfection that you shouldn't do something? And I, I think the answer in, at least in my case is, oh, you should definitely do it and fix it along the way. Uh, you're never going to get a perfect relationship. It shouldn't be all or nothing. Um, so I, therefore, I think that exploring the subject where it's not like, you know, he's not beating her, you know, she didn't stab him. It's not like that where it's cut and dry, where we can be like, that's it. Relationship should be over. Mm -hmm. It's more like exploring the gray areas. Right. And so I think that was it is a worthy topic to explore in that sense. Bingo, the thoughts, both of guys? you. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, Devin Pepe? Do you have any final thoughts before we cut to commercial break? You guys covered it. Uh, yeah, a lot of my opinions you guys have echoed. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, much like a lot of other films, I just wish it had kind of had a stronger message. It's very kind of like like you say, gray, and I'm not a big fan of gray in films. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, that's definitely something I've observed about you as well, and that's fine, uh, Pepe. Any final thoughts on this one? Uh, well, I'd just say, I don't know that, for me at least, I don't know that the movie um, gave me what I, gave me the information I would need to make a judgment on whether their relationship is better or worse for having gone through what I just saw them go through. You know, it's almost like when you're in a relationship, it's harder to see, you know, see, like, it's almost like that song, like, get rid of them, uh-huh, like, the, the, the mm -hmm. ones outside of it, you know, maybe are more objectionable or at least like more willing to say yes or no. But when you're in it and, and, and we are empathizing or supposed to empathize with them and be in this relationship, that's maybe a, another aspect of, of the realism or authenticity is it's really hard to figure out, like, is this broken? Is this fixable, you know? And there isn't a resolution. So again, I, I have to harken back to the, the, the idea that the, the guiding light of this film was to go for authenticity. Am, well, I, am I wearing that word out yet? <laughs> it's interesting you point out that song too, because they're the, the it's like the chorus is the friends saying definitely leave them. Yeah, they know, but they have the answer. But typically, you know, the friends are also single, so there's That's that right. too. Yeah, they have their bias exactly. Yeah, they can't. They can't. It's not for them to say. We are in our relationships. It's up to us to figure that out in, in most cases. So it was a, I think, worthy watch, but we'll see where the grades go. But as we're uh, tallying our grades, we do have uh, time for a short commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Are you in a thankless relationship where you do half the work, but they take all the credit? Well, friends, now. For the price of a cup of coffee per day, you can become a member of the Thanks of the Month Club. Get the validation you crave without having to go 12 rounds with your partner. After all, it doesn't mean <laughs> as much as if you have to drag it out of them. No, they can remain the same self-centered prick you love 
Meanwhile, we've got you covered for birthdays, anniversaries, awards and promotions, and mitzvahs for all genders. And for a few dollars more, enjoy our platinum benefit. One bouquet of flowers with a handwritten note sent on a random normal day just for being you. Thanks to the Month Club. It's the thanks that keeps on thanking the whole year. Side effects include diatribitis, authentitis, and peeing in the backyard because you didn't have a backyard when you were growing up and it's still a novelty. Early cancellation will result in us taking back every nice thing we ever said about you. Thanks to the Month Club. You're welcome. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Great. Way better than a craft commercial. <laughs> I don't know if you could get like I feel like Cheddar Goblin has has the, that's the apotheosis of mac and cheese commercials like fake mac and cheese commercials. So, all right, you guys not know this? No, oh, oh, oh. oh God, okay, all right. Well, gang. maybe in the future you will know. <laughs> we'll be posting clips to the Discord. Uh, okay, it's time to come up with a grade. Oh, Plus, plus, plus. So I'm going to go with a B plus on this one. Um, I actually probably wanted to not like this movie, and it ended up just kind of winning me over between the kind of interest I had in it because of how the movie was made, I thought was interesting. Uh, I really liked what he had to say, even though critics hated hearing his kind of diatribe against critics. I, I felt the struggles of this artist trying to figure out, you know, these things to do. And man, you can chase your thoughts around in your head like that. And then uh, being in a long-term relationship, I think there was a good takeaway from this for me. And that's to keep your full mouth shut and go to bed. Uh, aside from that, <laughs> respect people's boundaries. You, you, you know, don't let those, uh, those boundaries blur uh, between you. At least treat your loved ones with the same respect you'd show a perfect stranger. I mean, at very least. Um, but uh, yeah, I think overall it, it's a B plus. It's not an easy movie, but I thought it was effective, and I and I was glad to have watched it. Uh, Kat, uh, where'd you land on this one for your grade? Um, I think I'm landing at B for me. Um, I think that this movie was that I was the one of the type of audiences this movie targeted. So, and I, and I recognize that. And I think that's why I found the movie so interesting and so entertaining, but I also recognize that um, it's a niche audience and that not everyone is going to be able to relate. And I think in that sense, although it may have been intentional to not be relatable for everyone, that, um, it's a hard movie to, for everyone to watch and for everyone to really get the point of why, why even watch it in the first place. Uh, what's the point? So um, that and on top of the fact that I think the conditions in which it was shot in and, and written and directed and everything, um, I have to at least give them that credit of being able to tell a story um, in, in, a, in a constrictive environment, whether or not that did a good or, you know, great job or a bad job in it that they were able to do that. And I, and I think they, they were able to do it successfully. So, um, yeah, yep. B. Recognizing that the movie was niche is an, is an important key aspect to that, I think. Yeah. Devin, where did you land on that? Um, yeah, for me, I think, uh, I think it's about a C plus. I think that 
it is just above average. Uh, like despite the kind of issues I had with the plot and the, the resolutions and um, despite how uncomfortable it made me, you know, chewing noises notwithstanding, but like, you know, just the, the voyeurism. <laughs> like I said. Um, I, I think that despite all that, it's still like, it still kept me engaged and I was still very interested. I thought the performances were really good. I thought it was shot fairly well. And uh, yeah, ultimately I was, I was, you know, somewhat invested, even though there was this, kind of lack of a, a conflict but c plus above average yeah you know i almost wanted to bail at certain points because it's of the intensity of it um but it kept me in be for that same reason it's almost like you know what they say about you, know, you can't look away from a car crash or whatever you know it was just it kept me that tension kept my attention right um and i also wanted to add real quick because that made me think of this there there was a lot of whether or not you love this movie or not there was a lot of elements in there that showed the talents of the filmmaker and the actors and I'm very much looking forward to what the promise of some of this has 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 shown me. Hopefully, they deliver on it because I think there's a lot of uh, yeah. potential there. Exactly. Yeah, Pepe. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to beat a dead horse here and belabor this, but so I'm going to give it a C minus. Sure. You made your uh, <laughs> you made your opinions very clear and eloquently so. Yeah. As, well, to be usual. honest, in in seeing this in seeing this movie and thinking about the grade I was going to give it, it made me think about what type of movie I would give a D or an F. Sure. And I and I couldn't really think of one, or the only one I could think of like giving it, or the only movie that came to mind that I would give an F to would be something like birth of a nation or something like that right like that's just like bad you know like even if it was like beautifully shot like the terribleness of it just like moves that to the side and just yeah like, that's yeah, hard for me too yeah like there's always some kind of redeeming aspect that i can latch on to it seems even if stuff isn't working mostly i st i'm still able to focus on all these different elements of you know, you couldn't possibly enjoy this movie on as many levels as I do. I mean, I'm just looking at everything, <laughs> right, yeah. right? So, you know, if it's if it's the bad acting, then maybe I'm focused on the lighting or the or the setting or the art direction or something, you know. So it's hard for me to say, like like in that from that aspect, it's hard for me to say something would deserve a D or F. Um, except for the movie last week. I, I'm on board with Devin now. <laughs> <laughs> or two weeks ago. That thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So, Jim, uh, I'm very curious where you landed on this one. Yeah, so uh, uh, I'm going to be like Peppy and just be right out the gate. Um, sure. I'm going to give it um, a D uh, okay. because it was messy. It was complicated. Kidding, that's acting. Um, I, I'm gonna... <laughs> oh, man, I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, I'm going to give it an A. Um, it is messy and it is unfinished. And I think that is the point. Um, yeah. It is a slice of life in the night of. Uh, it was unflinching. And I, I do like emotionally heavy movies. Even if I'm very uncomfortable, which I was at several moments throughout uh, this movie. And I think go along with what Kat said as far as being niche um you know what Malcolm had said is that I just want to make a film I want to make art um and when it's looked on on that art is 
understood and realized on different levels. Um, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy this movie. I would watch it again. So, yeah, I just want to. I, I I know I've been really critical of this film, but I I'm glad that this movie was made. I think that people we've talked about this even in just this episode, like movies like this are where you find like greatness. Yeah. That is just like off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, they're, they're those like, it's where the sweetness is, you know, it's the, the nougaty center of good movies, you know? And so like the fact that this, that I don't like this movie is totally fine. It's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I got absolutely. That and I've never seen a movie that had a simmer and boil argument for how long was the movie? I, I, don't, I can't name one. So have, it was you, novel. have you seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I know it's no. an older one, but um, mm-hmm. it's worth a watch. This is a, a spiritual sequel to that, I would say. Probably okay. on purpose. I didn't read that, but I, I, I think a couple of the critics mentioned that in, in passing. Uh, and I think Elizabeth Taylor won an Academy Award for that one. So if you liked this one, Jim, I would go check out Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. For sure. Yeah. And can I just add that um, based off what Jim said, that maybe me saying this could have been a film that Jim picked. I mean, he really liked this film. So yeah, it wasn't no, that far off. Yeah. No, no. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was very I wasn't sure he picked it, but I definitely want to hear what he had to say about it uh, while I was watching it and such. So totally valid. So where does that leave a GPA for Malcolm and Marie 2021? That drops us uh, to another, or I guess raises us with Jim's grade to mm-hmm. uh, 2.86, another three digit. It's our second three digit one. Uh, 2.86, uh, which is a, a B minus. Well, uh, I think we're a tough school, but we're fair. So <laughs> Yeah. So far, so far, all, all of us are passing with our grade. No one has gotten a failing grade oh, yet, good. so we're that's all good. good. Cool, cool, cool. We'll, well see about that next week. <laughs> yeah, Jim. Yeah, Jim's about right, to fix that. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which. We'll see, Speaking right? Speaking of which. Uh, so we're not rolling for next week because there's one film left, and it is Jim's um, because he's the only one who hasn't uh, gone. I'm excited to find out what we're watching. Yeah, me too. Uh, it is, uh, well, I'll do the roll anyway because that's always fun. I rolled my uh, one-dimensional dice and <laughs> came up with a one. Uh, it yeah, is... rolled your Mobius, Mobius strip. <laughs> yes, there we go. I got to remember that. All Through the House, 2016, now streaming on Amazon Prime. All Through the House. And next week, we'll wrap up our Ooh. second series uh, on I'll Look at Yours, if you look at mine, which means uh, since this is the second-to-last episode, um, we need to choose our theme moving forward uh, for the next series. And so we've all chosen one off of a big list uh, of themes that we kind of all contributed to. And we did one um, by random. We also rolled the dice and had one of those chosen. So we have a, a list of approved themes. <laughs> So the approved themes are, and there's six of them, so we can roll a 1d6. Older than me. 
Oscar losers that should have won. Original gangster, gangster flicks. Black and white, which we've seen a couple of those already. Better in 3D. And mockumentaries. So we have a good little list to guide our next series. Um, and so if we have a tie, Devin gets the tie-breaking vote. Is that how we're working that? Since you were the, the winner of the Dundee? No, we were going to roll. We're going to roll for it, right? Yeah. Oh, we're just going to roll for it. That's right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for, uh, yeah, I should know this as the host. Uh, okay, I'm so fired. Uh, all right. So. Um, Dude, after that performance in the last podcast where you just like skipped everyone about everything. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should start in looking for defense, a replacement guys. I was, my mind was on like having to move and break down everything. Now I like my setup even better uh, now that I've gone through it. But, uh, and so, yeah. Moving always sucks. Hopefully, at least you're moving towards something, right? Instead of away from something. Uh, so, why don't we roll the D6? And if anyone has one handy, whoever has yeah, one. Yeah, I. You got pulled one? it up on, on just on random.org, but okay. uh, yeah, I can I can roll it. So I think it would have been out. my week to roll anyway. So we'll find out what the theme is. Everyone come up with a movie that applies to that theme. However, I'm going to say however you uh, interpret it, except for when it's obviously some of them are very explicit. So um, like better in 3D, obviously, is a movie that has to be in 3D. But uh, however you interpret the theme, choose a submission for next week so we can figure out what we're what we're going to our list for next series. So, without further ado, what is our theme for our next series, Series 3? Random.org has given me a four. Okay, so that is going to be black and white, which is almost like a, a proto-theme of uh, the last two series. We've had a couple of those, so. Uh, a black and white film. As long as it's in black and white, it's in there. Show us something that you want us to see, gang. It's got to be all black and white, no Wizard of Oz's. If I see a single Wizard of Oz... Yeah, no other podcast. What no about tricks. what about Schindler's List? What about yeah, Schindler's the one list? Red coat, the red coat girl. Yeah, that one. Oh, would work. No, yeah. um, let's or, just say let's not do Schindler's List. Let's yeah, not do that. Everyone's one. seen that. One. Anyway, <laughs> that'd be a yeah, hard one to make if jokes you about. Seen that, you're in big trouble, Mister. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> show announcements. We don't have any. We're going to be going forward with the last of series. I will remind you that we are going to take a week off in between series so after next week we'll have uh, a week off to kind of reset uh fan emails you can write to oh someone's calling right now uh you can write to ben at redhenmedia.com and we may respond on the show um and that is about it gang we can wrap things up as soon as uh lieutenant colombo gets off the phone and gets to my door oh that was fast he must have a cell phone just one more thing. Okay, Lieutenant Colombo is here indeed and uh, has informed us that we have time for just one more thing. And that's when we talk about one thing that the, each co-host shares uh, about a Twitter-length post, something they want to mention from outside the show. Um, so uh, let's start off with Kat, and uh, I'll save mine for the end since it's a diatribe about moving. So I know Devin's seen some of this, but I would love to discuss this with you guys. Um, and if you haven't seen it, um, you should. Um, it's called Inside. It's a Bo Burnham special. Um, you... I finished it. What? You did finish I it? I finished it, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, 
It is definitely his best work, and um, it is hard to define it as a comedy. I think it's humorous, but I don't know if I would call it a comedy special, and you should figure out why that is. So um, if you haven't seen it, definitely do. I think it is a masterpiece. I definitely think it's one of the best things I've seen um, so far. That being said, it may also resonate with people who are under the age of 30 a little bit more than people over it. So it might be ageist in that way, uh, but hopefully anyone else could, uh, everyone else can enjoy it to some extent. I'll watch it and report back in. What is it called again and where can we find it? Inside, is it's a Netflix special, Bo Burnham. Great. Yeah. Easy, easily accessible. Everyone has Netflix or knows someone that does. Okay, cool. Devin, what have you got for us this week? Uh, yeah, actually, I almost brought Inside. Um, I definitely second what Kata said. I was actually thinking about bringing it up during the episode because it was also a COVID. It's also COVID art. He made it literally entirely by himself. He shot it, edited it, wrote it, and like it was just him in a room, um, the entire special. So in that way, it's like it has the premise of a YouTube video, but it is way better than any YouTube video you'll ever uh, watch. <laughs> um, which is actually funny because that's how he started. He started on YouTube uh, years ago. Oh, I watched. I started watching Bo Burnham when I was 13, yeah, when he first started on YouTube. But uh, yeah, very funny. My actual thing this week is a movie that I just watched. Literally, it ended 15 minutes before the podcast began. I had to rush home. Wow. It was uh, In the Heights in theaters, the first movie I've watched in theaters uh since since covid and uh nice. it was absolutely incredible like uh, like amazing it was it was i'm a huge musical buff it's probably like up there one of my top three musicals i've ever seen uh absolutely worth watching definitely worth watching in theaters it's it's like a totally bombastic film uh really like plays well with the dolby digital and everything um you know the, the atmos whatever they call it the yeah yeah, yeah 3d audio um see it, in yeah, the theater it was in it just if you can amazing yeah the acting was great. The songs were amazing. Yeah, I, wonderful. I really want to see that movie, Devin. Um, after seeing an interview on one of the late night talk shows with the director and um the guy who wrote the play, and then also wrote, I believe, the screenplay for that. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Lin. Okay, he can do no wrong. Yeah, it was his first big. It was his first big project, yeah, before it's like what got him on the on the map and, and gotcha, basically okay. him making in the heights is what allowed him to make Hamilton, um, which was like his all real right, dream child. Right. Good to know. Well, I wasn't aware of that. Wow, that's cool. Okay, I'll definitely try to check that out. Yeah, he's he's wonderful. James Pepe, what do you got for us this week on just one more thing? Yeah, so I've I'm gonna plug an app. I told you guys about this earlier, but this app has been playing a large part in my life recently. Um so if you're like me and uh, grudgingly use Spotify and don't want to pay for it, but don't want to mm-hmm. listen to ads. Um, there are ways of, of removing ads from Spotify that are not okay, but there are ways that are okay. And I found out one of them, and it's a it's an app called Spot Mute, and it just mutes Spotify whenever an ad plays, and then turns it back on when the ads That's are over. Clever. Yeah. So Spotify gets their um, cut, and you don't have to listen to the ad. Yeah, I mean the Spotify ads are obnoxious and brutal. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up having to sign up and pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I don't like want to sucker. give them any money. Yeah, um, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It uh, it's not it's not you don't just download it and it starts working. It has a very minimal setup. You you have to like switch a setting within Spotify, but it's not a big deal. It's not hard to do. 
and then uh, you don't have to listen to ads on Spotify, and you won't, and you won't be in danger of having your like account banned for oh, using that's, it. That's important. Yeah. So spot yeah, mute, yeah. right? Yep. Spot mute. Cool. Available for desktop as well, or just for? Phones? That's the that's the only drawback. I've got, mm-hmm. it only works on my phone. I haven't figured out how to get it onto okay. my desktop yet. So especially if you're going in the car and whatnot, and you don't want to hear the yep. ads or whatever on a road trip or whatnot. Cool. And uh, Jim, what have you got for us this week? Uh, Just one more thing. Um, So my just one more thing I had posted on um, our various uh, role-playing groups that we play, and so some of you guys have already seen this. But for our wider friends out there, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I've been watching a YouTube podcast. It's an actual play podcast called Black Dice Society. And it is gothic horror horror in nature, although they do delve in other uh, types of horror. And it's set in a world, um, it's Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, but the world Ravenloft in which the, um, the podcast is set in came from 2nd edition Dungeons and Dragons, so way back when. And I was so much in love with that setting. I ran a lot of adventures in that setting. So bringing it back, even though we don't, well, I don't play in fifth edition um, on a regular basis. So excited and will consume anything that has to do with Ravenloft. But this is a a very superior podcast and uh, the DM is fantastic. Yeah. Black Dice Society. I'm getting that right. Yes, and you can find okay. it on the Dungeons and Dragons channel. Although I'm sure if you type in oh. Black Dice Society, it will take you there as well. Cool. Well, you know I love Gothic horror, so I'll have to check that out. And I'm not familiar with Ravenloft. I haven't played a horror uh, role playing game yet, except for Monster of the Week was the closest I've come so far, and that was a lot of fun. They just released Ravenloft for Five E too, right? Mm-hmm. They just released a yep. new guidebook. Yep. Okay. Cool. A month or two ago. Yep. Wizards of the Coast getting that money. Great. Uh, oh, oh, and I have... Let me skip myself. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on... It's been a hectic couple of weeks moving and whatnot, and I just came out of the the uh, fire, basically, the other night and had to edit the episode and then prep for the show, so I haven't had a breather yet. And I'm DMing now. We're actually running a little late to start our, our uh, evening game, uh, which is 5e. Um... But it's kind of neat that today is the 15th and uh, California just kind of opened back up today. Like everything opened back up. And I saw the three of you fellas last night at another game. I popped by to James Fegan's place, which is down the road, getting those walkie-talkies, 80s style, so we can talk back and forth. Um, but it was just so great to see people again. It's just, and it's novel and a little, I don't I want to say strange, but I guess novel is the way to put it. It's just nice. And I really am optimistic and hoping that we can stick this landing on this thing, man. Because there are concerns. So I guess if you're hearing this and want advice, uh, still be careful, you know. But uh, it's nice to sort of have some kind of feeling of normalcy returning after such a long haul there. Dude, sitting sitting at a table with other people across from you uh-huh. and playing D&D is so much fucking better than it is online. Yeah. Online has <laughs> so its... much better. And I never played online by preference. It was always because I had to. 
you know, and we mm-hmm. make do, and it is fun, and obviously we still play online and such. But yeah, it was just nice. Uh, it made it got my kind of uh, I don't know if the term's blood boiling. I, I forget what the term is now. But uh, it 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 wet my whistle for like sitting at a table and playing again with you guys. It rustled your jimmies. There you go. I love it. Rustled my jimmies. <laughs> it did it twice. Twice rustled. Once bitten, wow. twice rustled. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of neat. So enjoy. Oh shit, uh, Devin's out of here. Oh, yep, Devin left. He's oh, didn't nice mean to. Guy. Sorry about that. He's like, you know what, guys? Wrong yeah, button. We're, we're running late here. Uh, so, Devin's uh, uh, got Jimmy's got rustled, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jimmy's rustling. I left my Jimmy's in the oven. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> you most of all i'm not crying you're crying uh it's time to say our goodbyes we'll start with marie yeah right (laughs) marie i'm sorry is it me i'm so sorry i'm so sorry Um, (laughs) you can do this I'm Kat Ramirez. It's been real. Catch me on Instagram at Kat Ramirez with two Z's. See y'all next time. All right. Devin Schwartz. I'm Devin Schwartz. You can find me on Twitter at Devin Schwartz one and uh, game over, man. Game over. <laughs> James Pepe. Uh, I've been James Pepe and uh, I'll see you guys next week with a new movie. Yay. I like movies. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm glad to be back doing the show rather than boxing and unboxing things. And uh, gentlemen, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm Jim Scott, and uh, farewell and take care, friends. And with that, this has been I'll Look at Yours if you look at mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. And remember to watch All Through the House 2016, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime. So catch that before next week's show. Until next time, lookers, keep on looking.